I'm Brianna, and I love old movies. And I'm Diana, and I, you know, like old movies. And this is a My Favorite Redhead bonus episode. Because we watched a movie and we want to talk about it. Hey guys, so as our Christmas bonus episode, we decided to cover the Lemon Drop Kit from 1951. As we mentioned, there's a ton of guest stars that have been on I Love Lucy that have been in this movie. And we just kind of want to talk about it. And um, to make it relevant, our boy, William Frawley, Fred Mertz, <laughs> is in The Lemon Drop Kid. And Bob Hope, the star of The Lemon Drop Kid, is a close personal friend of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. So we hope you enjoy. So the movie starts, the opening is in Florida at a racetrack um, with the eponymous Lemon Drop Kid, recognizable by the lemon drops that he's always eating, conning people at the horse race. So we see him with a bunch of different people, but the relevant, the important one is he meets this young woman and convinces her to bet the $2,000 that she has on a horse called Lightning Streak, despite the fact that she was planning to put her boyfriend's money on a horse called Iron Bar. It turns out the woman's boyfriend was a notorious gangster whose name is Moose Moran. And then when Iron Bar wins, Moose vows to get revenge on the Lemon Drop Kid for losing him all that money. So Moose invites the kid over to his house. Do we ever actually hear the kid's name? When he's in court. That's what I thought. It's um, Sidney Milburn, I think? Yeah, that's right. He didn't... Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> so Moose invites the kid to his house, where he shows him a guy being roughed up and threatens to kill him if he doesn't pay him the $10,000 he would have made if he'd bet on Iron Bar by Christmas Eve. So the kid goes back to New York, where he lives to hit up his old friends and contacts, but finds only debt everywhere. Uh, immediately, he runs into an elderly friend who's being evicted from her apartment because she can't pay and her husband is in jail for safe-cracking. The kid next goes to see his kind of on-again, off-again girlfriend, Brainy, and she reminds him that he also owes her money. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? Let's just get married. Let's just get yeah. married now. That's the solution. <laughs> so give me 10 bucks. I'll go downtown and get a marriage license. You wait right here. And, uh, and so, she falls for it. And she falls for it, which is funny because she's standing there the whole scene going, I'm not going to fall for your bullshit because you're a bullshitter. And he was like, no, you're right. Give me 10 bucks. And then she did. And he leaves. When she hears he's at the door, she takes his picture, his framed picture, and puts it in the trash can. Yeah. And then he comes in and within like three seconds of standing there, finds his picture in the trash can and puts it back on display. And we also find out that he was supposed to pawn her fur coat. So... Yeah. They're but, colorful. Yeah. <laughs> I like how she also, like, put her purse in, like, a box, and he just, yeah. like, immediately just went, opened the box, and pulled her purse out. And it's like, girl, you need a different hiding place. <laughs> so, yeah, so he takes her $10 and then just fucking disappears. And, of course, she's like, I knew it. I knew that was going to happen. She immediately regrets giving him money because she knows what he's like, and she just saw herself swindled in real time. Next, he hits up an underworld friend, Oxford Charlie, who rebuffs him because he's in tax trouble, and also he doesn't like the kid very much, because on account of yeah. all the things. <laughs> you know, kind of down and out, he passes a charity Santa on the street corner, which gives him an idea. So he dresses up like Santa, and he gets his own little, like, card together that <laughs> says, Save a Life. <laughs> And a policeman recognizes him and is like, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm collecting money for charity. And he's like, who's charity? And he's like, myself. He's like, you can't do that. That's panhandling. So he takes him to court where the judge is like, did you do it though? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's illegal. You can't do that. And so he says either you can go to jail for 10 days or you can, um, you know, pay, pay for bail. 
And he was like, well, I can't do either of those things. And he was like, well, not my problem. So yeah. <laughs> kid calls Brainy and he's like, hey, so I need you to bail me out. And she's like, hey, have you seen my 10 bucks? <laughs> she does actually bail him out. She gets the money out of her paycheck to bail him out. And uh, so now understanding that he can't just collect money without a license, kid goes about looking for a charity to collect for. And then he remembers his old friend, Nellie Thursday, who was being evicted because, and she also couldn't get into an old folks home because of her husband's criminal record. He had gone to prison for a safe cracking. So the kid gets together some of his other small time crook friends, including our guy, Bill Frawley, mm-hmm. and uh, they cook up this scheme where they move, move into Moose's casino, which is closed for the off season, then set it up as a home for old women and then collect donations. And then of course the kid would keep the money pay Moose, and then, I guess, move on to the next con. But he doesn't tell anybody this. And then on Christmas Day, he close up shop and just kick all the women out. <laughs> there's a, there's a, I don't Fuck know if he's... Fuck them, I guess. Huh? Fuck them, I guess. Yeah, there's a quote-unquote <laughs> doctor that works for Moose. And uh, he visits occasionally to see what Kid's up to. And um, he was still like, what do you do with all the women? And Kid was like... Which... I mean, he didn't exactly say that, but that was the mood. Yeah. (laughs) So now he has a charity, he has a license, and everybody dresses up like Santas, and they spread out across Manhattan to collect their money. Of course, nobody but Kid knows what his plan for the money is. And I think this is the bit where we get Silver Bells. Mm -hmm. Which I thought Silver Bells was just, you know, the song Silver Bells. I thought it was just like the, the... symbol motif that was mm-hmm. everywhere. I didn't realize it meant the collection Santas. I don't know if it specifically has to refer to that, but that was, because this, well, we'll get into mm. that, but since this is the context the yeah. song was introduced on, so. Yeah, yeah so that's interesting. And um, Bill Frawley was the cutest Santa, yeah. and um, he had a variation on the song Silver Bells, which is why they began yeah. singing a pretty version of it. Instead of his rather aggressive version, (laughs) get some dough and chunk it in the kitty or else Santa will give you a Mickey. (laughs) Santy, sorry. Santy, yes. All right, so because nobody knows what's going on, Brainy decides to leave her job where she's kind of a chorus girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, she decides she's going to dedicate her time after Christmas to, to the home that they're setting up. And it turns out that her boss is Oxford Charlie, and that's what kind of clues him into the scheme that's going on. So he decides that he wants in, but in in, like, the boss kind of way. So he (laughs) kidnaps the women and moves them into his house. So Kid comes back from, from, yeah, doing the collections, and finds all the women, including Brainy, missing, and all the money's gone to. Nellie, who was the original old woman Nellie Thursday who they set the house up in in her honor escapes from uh, Oxford Charlie and his goons and she finds the kid and tells him that they're all being held prisoner so he decides to break in and steal everything back so he steals the dress off a mannequin <laughs> off a department <laughs> store display mannequin and disguises himself as an old woman and uh, so he goes into that's how he gets himself into the house because obviously if Nellie can get out then he can get in and he attacks Oxford Charlie in his office and steals all the money, which buys enough time for Brainy to break all the women out. So then he goes back to the casino to meet with Moose and pay him off since it's now Christmas Eve and gives him the money. However, Oxford Charlie demands the money that Kid owed him from before, which is more than Kid has accounting for what he owes to Moose. So in order to get out of this predicament, he flips a switch on the wall, which was part of a gag that we saw earlier. Mm-hmm. 
and all these casino tables come out from like the walls and the um fireplace and um it's one of those you know you see them in old like gangster movies <laughs> of like the flip that they switch in the speakeasies and it dumps all the alcohol it's that kind of a thing where like all these trap doors open up and all these <laughs> casino tables come out and all the old ladies were using those as their beds when they yeah. were living in the old dolls home yeah <laughs> so now the casino tables are full of patrons including the old women and that's when the police show up for a raid <laughs> and uh moose and oxford charlie are dragged off so then finally in the courtroom kid vows that he will open the home for real and devote his life to the old dolls <laughs> So we decided to be like a little more casual about this since it's just like a for fun little bonus episode. But because I'm a nerd, I did still get like a lot of background information for you guys that hopefully you'll find entertaining. So um, the movie was released in 1951, which just like I Love Lucy, it's celebrating its 70th anniversary this year. Yay, so that's happy exciting. Birthday. Um, but despite this being a Christmas movie, it was actually released on April 2nd of that year. Hmm. That's it, odd. Yeah. <laughs> and the story goes that apparently it was supposed to be released for Christmas 1950. But when Bob Hope saw the then completed version of the film, he did not feel confident about mm. it. He was like, this needs work. And so they had to go back to the drawing board and they had to come up with more material and do some reshoots. And that's why it ended up getting pushed and not released until April. And, and then God forbid they sit on it until the next Christmas yeah. season. Yeah. And because it was released in April, when nobody is really looking for a Christmas movie to see, it didn't do very well financially. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, of course, it's a fun movie, so it's kind of become a Christmas classic, kind of beloved. You know, it, it worked out in the end, but it, it wasn't a huge financial success at the time. It's kind of funny. That kind of makes sense because... I was thinking the whole time that this is like the weirdest Christmas movie I've ever seen because it doesn't really have a Christmas vibe, despite the fact mm -hmm. that the deadline is Christmas Eve and we have Silver Bells, which is, in my opinion, one of the best Christmas songs. Mm. It, it doesn't feel Christmassy. Like, there's not really any of the Christmas themes that you see. It's... I would almost think it was more of a fun summer movie, apart from the fact that it's obviously yeah. winter. But that, that detail just kind of feels shoehorned in. Like, really the only... It's kind of just a movie that has Christmas as a backdrop. Yeah. Really the only detail of the plot that's Christmassy is the uh, collection Santas. Yeah. Because charity is such a big deal this time of year, and they're a recognizable symbol. But, I mean, you could have had really any charity going any time of year. Yeah, but... It's fun that it does have the Christmas element because it is kind of different than yeah. any other Christmas movie. Well, we love a true crime other, Christmas but... movie. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of Silver Bells, um, that whole sequence with the musical number, with them singing Silver Bells, that was a part of the material that was added. Mm. The song was written by Jay Livingston and Ray Evans, and it has become like one of the Christmas standards, the songs that you sing every year. And it's actually, um, when I was in band in junior high, we used to perform it every year. So mm -hmm. it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> this movie actually introduced the song and it went on to be like Bob Hope's signature Christmas song, his kind of Christmas theme after the movie. He would perform it in his annual Christmas specials every year. And um, the film was directed by Sidney Lanfield, but another director, Frank Tashlin, was brought in to do the reshoots, and so he's uncredited, but 
you know, we know that that was his work. And the movie is based on a Damon Runyon short story that was originally published in his short story collection, Furthermore, in 1938. But it must have been published in like a magazine or something like that earlier than that, because the first movie version of this was actually made in 1934. Hmm. And I actually didn't know that there was a previous movie version until I started looking into it a little bit for the episode. But what I found out was very funny that 1934 Lemon Drop Kid movie, Bill Frawley is also in that. Oh my god. <laughs> so he's just like Lemon Drop King. Yeah. <laughs> so I really wanted to see that movie, but I couldn't find it anywhere online. And apparently it kind of is more faithful to the original story than this movie is. Hmm. Um, the original story is about like a con man who tries to sell his lemon drops as this miracle cure to this guy he meets out at the racetrack. And he does kind of the same kind of con at the racetrack where he, like, you know, gets you to bet on a specific yeah. course and then he pockets your money. And um, then it kind of goes really off track in a completely different direction. It's actually kind of a sad story because a lot of Damon Runyon pieces are. So I did read the short story because it's only, like, 11 pages. So... I read it for this. Yeah, so like after he gets the money from the guy at the racetrack, he ends up leaving town and then he goes and tries to live in this like little country town and he ends up meeting some girl and they like fall in love and get married and then she gets sick and she has a baby but the baby doesn't live and she doesn't live. Oh my god. And like her father's an alcoholic what? and he what? steals the lemon drop kid's money because the lemon drop kid got a job. What? Yeah. <laughs> and in the story it even said he I don't remember the exact wording but it was something akin to he did the unthinkable and got a job. There is a joke in here because he was telling Brainy I love you so much I'd get a job. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very and he was like, very that energy. <laughs> But yeah, so the story is actually pretty sad. And apparently, from what I understand, the 1934 movie is a little closer to that in that it has all of like, you know, the death and sadness. But wow. um, it does end a little bit more happily than the actual short story because like... In well, the now he's got a job, so, you know, employment is nice in the 30s. Well, he didn't keep the job for long because he went to prison. Oh, bummer. Yeah. And then when he got out of prison, the guy that had been chasing him for all these years was like, I'm here to give you this money because I said that there was a prize for whoever cured me of my arthritis. Because mm -hmm. he thinks that the lemon drops actually cured his arthritis. And um, he was like, here's, you know, $5,000, but minus the money that you owed me. So mm -hmm. basically the lemon drop kid had been running from this guy and the guy was going to give him money that he... If he had had it at the time that his wife died, he could have taken her to the specialist that the doctor told him. would have. It was the oh most fucked up thing. The, the doctor That's literally... That's like Lucy-level shenanigans, yeah. but sad. Yeah, the doctor literally tells him, if we'd only gotten her to the specialist 12 hours ago, they could have what? saved her. And I was like, how could you know that, doctor? 12 hours. How could you possibly know that? Yeah, Damon Runyon's stories are wild. The movie that Bob Hope was in with... Lucille Ball, Sorrowful Jones. I think that might be based on a Damon Runyon story. Don't quote me, but it might be. And The Big Street that Lucille Ball was in with Henry Fonda, that one was definitely a Damon Runyon story. So he was being adapted left and right in the 30s and 40s and 50s. So good for him. But so basically when they made this movie, they wanted to do like Runyon-esque kind of characters. 
and I I have to laugh at myself describing characters based on Damon Runyon's work as Runyon-esque, but mm-hmm. they are. <laughs> so Runyon-esque characters with like Bob Hope kind of 1950s humor so it's basically like an original story this movie with those kinds of characters and settings and adapted to fit a christmas setting yeah so um it's fun and i i really like this movie but um there were a couple of lines from the story that i wanted to share with you so when he meets the guy that is his mark that he does the con on he <laughs> says to himself in the narration that he's found the great Alamarakis, which I thought was funny. And um, there's this other line that he says, um, but then very few guys whose business is telling the tale ever stop to figure they may be committing perjury. <laughs> so that was fun. Yeah, so I, I really like this movie. It's one of my, like... Um, go-to Christmas movies every year and I have a lot of fun with it and it's only partly because Bill Frawley is in it but I think it's very funny I'm obsessed with Bob Hope's mannerisms and like the little one-liners and oh there are so many quips yeah it's (laughs) It's very quippy and I love um (laughs) everyone all of the gangsters saying Santa Claus instead of Santa Claus it's so funny also, um, this is this is my brain goof, but it took me forever to figure out her name was Brainy mm-hmm. because he called her Brainy at one point, and I thought that was just a joke because I thought her name yeah. was Brainy. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, as like a diminutive for Sabrina or whatever. Mm-hmm. And also, there was that. Remember, there was that like mid-century homemaker mm-hmm. we used to be obsessed with. Yeah. So I kept going back to that, and then I was doing the research for this, and I was like, oh, her name is Brainy. Yeah. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> it is. So that's fun. And I love that everyone has, like, you know, a gangster nickname. Yeah. Um, Moose. Yeah. Fred's character, sorry, Bill Frawley's character is Gloomy. Which fits. Yeah, it fits. I love, I love Bill Frawley so much, and I love that almost every character he plays is just Bill Frawley. Yeah. So, like, you could easily imagine that for some reason Fred Mertz had to play Santa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. And also, um, just a little personal tidbit about me. My mom and I would sometimes refer to our house where we live as an old doll's home because of this movie. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's a fun one, and I, I enjoy it very much, and I'm glad we got to watch it together. Yeah, that was fun. I, I've never seen it. We've had it forever because Mother was very excited to buy the DVD. And I'm I pretty was... sure your mom got me onto it. Did she? I think so. I don't remember ever seeing it. I remember we just... And it just, like, the Lemon Drop Kid doesn't have a very, like, Christmassy title. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we said in the intro, I like old movies, but, like, you know, sometimes you're not in the mood for one. Well, me. Sometimes I'm not in the mood for one. I know I'm the only person here who feels that way. <laughs> sometimes I'm not in the mood for an old movie. And um, so we just never got around to watching it because there are other movies that we have to watch every Christmas. So it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Well, this is an excuse to watch that then. Yeah. <laughs> and it's cute. It was fun. Yeah, it's a lot of there fun. There were a lot of really good lines. Yeah. I, like, for a while when I was working on my notes, the only thing I had in my discussion portion of the notes were two quotes. Um, 
corn my pone and chit my chitlins and hot and cold running petunias. Oh my god, that whole bit when he was trying to pitch that whole I was holding on to that when he the whole bit when he's trying to pitch the house to Nelly yeah. Thursday. That whole thing. So I got whole field for a backyard, hot and cold running petunias, southern exposure on all sides and stucco yeah. bathtubs. And I was yes, internally howling at all of that. It's so silly. And like so many moments like um, the scene that I think we discussed the most is him primping before he goes up yes, to see Yes, that was Brainy the other line I had written down. <laughs> with his scarf that he's lifted off of a little dog on the street. Yes. <laughs> he's got his, like, razor in his pocket. And, and his, a little toothbrush. Yeah, and his aftershave. And his powder. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, patting himself down and he's making noises at himself. <laughs> And the, the line was, what a crime if you had to die, yeah. which I'm going to start reciting every time I do my makeup. And I'm just like, when I'm sending selfies to my girls, I'm going to be like, what a crime if you had to die. And he like leaves and comes back and looks at himself in the mirror again. And is like, oh, you're gorgeous. I hate to leave you, but that's faith. Yeah. Oh, you doll, you. Yeah, that's it. That that's going to be on my headstone. I hate to leave you, but that's fate. Yeah. <laughs> When I was a when I was a a, a baby glamour puss, you know the opening scene of Tuong Fu when they're mm. getting all dressed up and they're doing well, yeah. what's that song? Anyway, you know the song. Yeah. That used to be like I used to play that when I was making my ma- when I was putting on my makeup when <laughs> I, I was in that. like junior high. That was my thing. <laughs> so now now I'm gonna have these lines. I'm gonna write them on my mirror <laughs> lipstick. I also love um, him kissing Brainy while trying to stuff money that in was the so statue long. that he's decapitated and like he's trying to put the head back on that and was, yeah. <laughs> having her hold on to him so that he can use both hands yeah. and it's just so long and drawn out and dramatic and he's got the head on backwards at yeah. multiple points and then there's <laughs> the, the horse and rider statue yeah. and he's like go put that back on the horse and then they uncover the other truck and it's the other it's yeah. the horse <laughs> We thought he'd get lonesome without the horse. And they stole a park bench. (laughs) And they also have a cow, which is to provide cream for the old dolls' coffee in the morning. A whole cow. (laughs) Yeah. And the cow just hangs around for the rest of the movie. She's just walking through the room. It's not a throwaway cow. (laughs) And there's, like, one point where Nellie's husband is out of jail and of course he's a safe cracker and the kid's like hey we got a safe for you and he's like i just did time for that and he's like yeah but anyway yeah and then the guy blows up the safe and then the cow just comes out of the smoking room You're like why were you even in there how did you survive the grenade anyway and he comes out and he's got like you know soot on his face and He's holding the silverware. Yeah. Obviously, you have to explode a safe to get silverware. Yeah, because nobody knows the combination. Come on, this is safe cracking 101. (laughs) Obviously, though, you keep your silverware in the safe. Yeah. I guess if you're surrounded by criminals, yeah, yeah, you do. Which is funny because it's a casino and they just have one box of silverware. (laughs) I I guess they don't make casinos like they used to. (laughs) This is kind of back in the day when they used to make them, but... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I... Overall, I enjoy this movie very much. It's very silly, and there's so much just, like, old nerd humor, and I am the epitome of old nerd, so it appeals to me very, very dearly, so. (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty cute. It was pretty funny. So, I'm glad that we got to watch it. Yeah. Did you have anything else, or? 
Oh god, there is <laughs> There were so many lines and they go by so fast because mm-hmm. they have that they have that that old movie pattern where it's not quite like 20s 30s gangster yeah. but it's like 1 degree shy. And they just have <laughs> they just go so fast mm-hmm. and they have that accent that's not quite a New York accent and it's not the mid-Atlantic. Mm-hmm. It's like almost like gangster. Yeah. And they're just, they're so quippy. They go it's so like fast. It's like New York via just, Hollywood. Yeah. And you can't, but like specifically like the criminal underworld. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can't keep up with it. And like, I know a thing or two because, you know, 20s and 30s is much more my era than the 50s. And so, you know, I, I know my way around the slang, but it just was so freaking fast. Uh, and all the times when Bob Hope made cracks at Bing Crosby. <laughs> oh, those are always funny. That was wild. Yeah. <laughs> so... There's so many funny things. Like, it would take a while for us to go in and grab all those references. I, like, literally just (laughs) had to Google, like, quotes. Yeah. To try to remember all the things that were funny. Don't do that, you guys, because they're all disappointing. They're all the same joke on every page. Just the one joke, and it's, you know, it's fine. I had to actually look up the transcript and, like, scroll to be like, what was that one stupid thing he said? Yeah. There's so many things. It's like... It's hard, because I've seen this movie a bunch of times, and even I'm still like, wait, what was that joke? What was that line? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's it's fun. We definitely recommend this movie if you guys haven't seen it, or if you're at all interested. Mm, it's pretty cute. Yeah. So, I think we're gonna wrap it up there, and we thank you for listening, and we, we hope, hope you enjoy your holidays. Have a wonderful day if you're not celebrating anything, or Merry Christmas, or Happy Holidays, <laughs> if you are. And thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher to make sure you never miss an episode. And follow us on Instagram at My Favorite Redhead, on Tumblr and Facebook at My Favorite Redhead Podcast. Tweet us at My Fave Redhead or drop us a line at My Favorite Redhead Podcast at gmail.com. And if you love Lucy and you enjoy our show, give us a good rating and review. 